the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What a time of praise and worship at the Bass Convention 2020. Let's worship the Lord with our hands. It's a privilege for me to introduce our speaker, a man that is well known around the Bay Area. Dr. Jerry Buckner received his bachelor's degree at California Baptist College in Riverside, California. His Master's of Divinity from the Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary in Mill Valley and his doctorate at San Francisco Theological Seminary in San Anselmo, California. He was ordained as a minister in 1976 and currently serves as the pastor of Tiburon Christian Fellowship in Larkspur, California. His professional skills include working as a consultant, public relations, talk show host, teacher, lecturer, counselor, minister, and writer. Besides serving as a pastor, Dr. Buckner teaches as a professor at Gateway Seminary in Fremont, California, as well as he's on the Contending for the Faith broadcast that airs on KFAX from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can hear him weekly on the radio. I want to say that Dr. Buckner is a very dear friend of mine who also served as a counselor at our Christian school, and we're so grateful to have him and his staff here with us, and you're going to be blessed hearing a well-renowned Bay Area preacher, author, lecturer, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. A lot of times when I get an introduction like that, I don't know what to say next. I just say, Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. I'm glad to hear the amens. I was speaking in Chicago for Don Vino, and he's a well-known teacher and conference speaker. He's a a white pastor, and he would have me come to uh, Chicago to speak to predominantly white audiences. And uh, he would always uh, have a amen sign. He would practice with the whites, and he would say, now, Dr. Buckner is an amen preacher. He would say, before he would, uh, he's coming to speak, we're going to practice this. And he would put it up in front of the people and say, amen, 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 amen. I have that sign as a trophy at home up on the wall. I'll never forget the story of one time I went into an all-white church, and I was the only black pepper in the midst of all of that salt. I was the only one saying amen in the church. And I wasn't going to allow the devil to quench my spirit. Can I get an amen? A lot of times we let the devil quench our spirit. Nobody was saying amen, and the white preacher was preaching. He was sweating all over the place, preaching. The devil tried to whisper to me, and just be quiet like the rest of them. I rebuked him in the name of Jesus. And I started saying amen, 
And I kept saying amen. And the next thing you know, a little white sister over on the left, she said, amen. <laughs> the next thing you know, another sister said, amen. Seemed like the sisters like to jump on to sometime before the men. Thank you for the sisters. And all of a sudden, the whole church started saying amen. And then after the service, this sister came up to me and she said, Dr. Buckner, thank you for bringing life to this church. We once were dead, but now we're alive. Amen, amen. Generally, when I get up to speak, I oftentimes see myself like the cross-eyed discus thrower. He didn't break too many records, but he sure knew how to keep the people awake. And I trust that the Holy Spirit through me is going to do that as well. I'm going to share one other story with you. It's good to laugh, you know. That was, uh, speaking of evangelism, there was a preacher who was rushing to get to church. They were holding a revival, and he was the keynote speaker, so he was rushing to get to church. And he was driving about 80 miles an hour in the 55 miles an hour zone. Police pulled him over to the side. And he said to him, you know, sir, you know, you were driving about 80 miles an hour in the 55 miles an hour zone, and I got a ticket you. He said, officer, I was rushing to get to church. I'm running late, and I got to speak. And, and then the officer noticed in the car this uh, bag with a bottle in it. And the officer said, what's in that bag? And he said, well, it's just some water. The officer said, well, I want to see what's in that bag. And so he gave it to him, and then when the officer looked in there, he noticed it was wine. And the preacher said, Jesus did it again. He turned the water into wine. (laughs) He still got a ticket. (laughs) Oh, my, 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 my. Don't you ever do that now. It's always good to think. You know, I'm going to be talking to you about uh, some acronyms for effective evangelism, and I trust that you all have an outline. Uh, Being a professor, I like to lay out outlines so that you can follow, because it's important for us to think. The Scriptures tell us in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. And it's interesting that The word disciple is mentioned before baptism. And in most of our churches, we do just the opposite. We do a lot of baptism, but very seldom disciple people. And that's why so many people are going into cults and isms and false teaching, because they don't know what they believe and know why. And I'm thankful to the Lord that we had two classes the other day. It was packed. And people were so blessed because they said, Dr. Buckner, these are a lot of things I never knew about the Trinity and the deity of Christ and essential doctrines. And so it's important for us to know what we believe and know why we believe it regarding truth. And uh, so it's important for us to think. And I'm just saying this by way of introduction. And I have even an acronym for THINK. And it's a good principle to use uh, even in uh, your churches because for the acronym THINK, T stands for TRUE. Is it true? H stands for IS IT HELPFUL? I stands for IS IT INSPIRING? N stands for IS IT NECESSARY? 
and K stands for, is it kind? And the Lord is calling us to represent him in the lost world. And we have this disease that's going around right now. And this is the greatest opportunity in history for us to share the gospel because people are fearing. They're hurting. They're troubled. And Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry. Don't stress. So the door is open for us to share the gospel. And you know what? There is also an acronym for fear. F stands for false, E, evidence, A, appearing, R, to be real. That's what it is. And people need to hear the gospel right now. And the Lord is opening up those doors right now because God has a way of allowing things to be shaken up. So people will hear what he has to say. And that's what's happening today in our world all around us. It's so important for us to hear what God is trying to say to us. Now, by way of introduction, you see that it says evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And Jesus is the bread of life, amen? Amen. And people are hungry to hear and eat of him. Now, people love different types of breads. Wheat bread, if they're on diet, white bread, rye bread, French bread. But when you try Jesus, you cannot say that he doesn't appeal to you. Amen? Jesus is the bread of life. And that's so important in our life today is to feed on him. You see, theology has to be put with evangelism. Theology is thinking about God. Evangelism is telling about God. Apologetics is defending for God. Hermeneutics is interpreting for God. But it should all go together. That's so important if we're going to be effective in our work for him. So important. You know, I was thinking about this where they uh, had this big celebration for Kobe Bryant. I was looking at that on TV and I noticed that not one single person gave Jesus the glory. And God is trying to wake us up and say, people need to hear about the gospel. All of those famous people, Michael Jordan got up, Shaq got up and cursed, and people started laughing. Nobody celebrated Jesus, and that's our job, amen? Our job is to be the salt and light of a hungry, dark world. The church today suffers from an endemic disease known in the Latin as non rockabotus ecclesiasticus. And that means in English, don't rock the boat. I don't just want to rock the boat for Jesus. I want to sink it for Jesus. Oftentimes I'll ask my students and I'll say, you know why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah? They'll say because of the homosexuality. I said, no, it's because God could not even find ten. Narrow it down to ten righteous people to preserve the city. And God is thinking that way today and trying to work in our lives to go and preserve 
a dying, decaying world. That's what God is calling us to do. Now, this is so important in the light of all of this that there are three types of people in our churches today. I want you to notice them. If it's not you, you don't have to worry about it. But if it's you, you do have to worry about it. Three types of people in our churches today. Who are they? Those who watch things happen. They're just like at a theater. You know, people at a theater, they're eating popcorn, they're drinking their sodas, and they're just watching. We got people in our churches that way. That's the first group that they just watch things happen. They have an AA degree in watchology. Those who just watch things happen. They have an AA degree in watchology. They have a BA degree in lookology. They have also a BA degree in seeology. They have a master's degree in observology. They have a PhD in viewology, but not Jesusology. And then we have a second group in our churches today. Those who don't care if anything happened. They're in the church, but they're not in Christ. They are informed, but they're not transformed. They got their names on the church list, but their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's the second group. And then you have a third group, those who make things happen. Can I get an amen on that one? See the builders there. They're making things happen. How are they making things happen? They're exercising their three T's. What are the three T's? Number one, time. Two, talent. And three, treasures. They're exercising these three T's constantly in the church because we're going to have to stand before God one day and give an account about these three T's. How are you working them in your life today? There are so many people today that's always working for the Lord with their time and their talent. Everybody's born in the world with a talent. And when you're born again, you're born with a spiritual gift. And treasures have to do with money. And Jesus said, lay up not for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust and thieves break in, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of these things break in. For effective evangelism, you need to be in a well, healthy, balanced church. Can I get an amen? amen? Let me give an acronym for well. Well, the W stands for worship. Worship. You know, if our worship is not right, then our service is not right. One of the reasons why so many churches are dying because there's too much hypocrisy in the church. Our service has to follow worship. And a lot of times we're not spending that quantity, quality time with God personally. Collectively it's good, but are you spending that time with God on a one-to-one -one basis? History tells us the reason why so many revivals broke out in the 1500s and on is because they said the Reformationist fathers and many before them, they would spend 
five to eight hours in the Word and in prayer. And God just broke out of that and did amazing things. Many times we're praying for God to fill us when we're already filled with something else. And Dwight Lyman Moody in his book, Secret Powers, you should get that book. He says, there has to be an emptying before there can be a filling. And we have to stay under the fountain at all times in order to receive a fresh anointing, a fresh supply of God's dunamis and exousia. So important. It's interesting that Jesus, when he was um, being tested by the enemy, when he was tested by the enemy, he rebuked him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone shall thy serve. You notice Jesus puts worship before service, even with the enemy, because the devil is even worshiping God to a certain degree. Can I get an amen? He's on a leash, and when God, like, pulls it a little bit, he kind of does his thing, but God has a purpose even in that. Sometimes we need a good old-fashioned spiritual whipping to get us where God wants us to be in worshiping him and in service. And do you not know that many of the priests in the Old Testament, high priests, God dropped them dead because their service was a service of hypocrisy. And when your service is corrupt, I mean, when your worship is corrupt, then your service is corrupt too. So important for us to understand that in the light of God's Word. So the W stands for what? Worship. The first L stands for equipping and evangelism. Equipping and evangelism. The reason why so many people are not effective in evangelism it's because they have not been taught and equipped first. You see, how often do we talk about equipping before evangelism? That's so important that people come to grips with knowing what they believe and knowing why they believe it. Because if you go out there and they ask you about who Jesus is, you need to know. Well, I love Jesus. I care about Jesus. But who is Jesus? I just love him good. But people want to know who he is. Somebody says, is he God? I think he's God. No, he is God. He's the one who stepped out on nothing, grabbed a handful of nothing, threw nothingness nowhere, and nothingness became a universe. Hallelujah. I love the song about the rock. Because I have a saying that has touched so many people, especially when God is trying to get your attention. Sometimes God allows you to hit rock bottom. So you will discover that he is the rock at the bottom. And when you discover that he is the rock at the bottom, he brings you from the bottom to the top. Hallelujah. Equipping the saints. That has to do with discipleship. Do you not know that the word Christian is mentioned three times in the Bible? Only three times. 
The word disciple is mentioned 269 times. What does that tell you? <laughs> that tells you you need to be discipled. 95% of Jesus' teachings was on discipleship. That's why in John 6 it says many of his disciples followed him no more because these sayings were hard sayings. Hard sayings. And Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That was a hard discipleship saying. I was telling uh, Dr. Durst at Gateway Seminary about I've done a teaching on what it means to be an extreme disciple. He said, Dr. Buckner, we got to get you to teach that here. That's a fascinating title, extreme disciple. Because, you know, the way we're going to get into eternity is that we got to be walking in discipleship. Can I get an amen? And now the first L in well is loving. Loving church. The stand the L stands for loving church. I'm going to get personal with you for a minute, okay? I've been married now for 48 years. People say, wow, did you get married when you were in diapers? <laughs> they always say, you, do, you look pretty, still pretty young, a little over that. I said, well, you know black don't crack. <laughs> Especially when you're walking in the Lord, he gives you low mileage. <laughs> Just like driving a car, right? You treat it right. The mileage will be good, huh? You treat it wrong, the mileage will be bad. I got low mileage. (laughs) I'm in an interracial marriage. My wife and I grew up in Bakersfield, California. Back in the 70s, it was racist there and racist just during that period. And when we came up to the Bay Area, she started a nursery and... uh, some of the women cornered her up and said, we are tired of you taking our black men and that we don't want you in this church. And that devastated my wife to the point where she wanted to leave the church, she wanted nothing to do with it, and I went to the pastor and told him about what had happened. And he rebuked the people, I thank God for that, But at that same time, I was taking a class at Golden Gate Seminary on mission to the cults. And it's interesting. And so one of the projects that we had to do was to go to the Kingdom Hall of the Jehovah's Witnesses and uh, engage. I'm having my students do the same thing. They have to engage with the Jehovah's Witnesses and engage with the Mormons, and they have to come back in my class and do a paper, and then I have them going to do role-playing. Somebody's acting like a Christian and then a Jehovah's Witness. I've been studying cults now for 50 years. I've been a specialist for a while now, covering all the cults. So when my wife and I, we got four kids now, but my wife and I, when we I only had two daughters at that time, and we went to the Kingdom Hall, and the people were so loving. 
and so caring, and it was a mixed setting that I was gravitating towards that because I said to myself, I feel more love there than I do in this church. And if it had not been for Dr. Walter Martin, my mentor who started the CRI, the Bible Answer Man program, I took classes under him. If it had not been for him who wrote the Kingdom of the Coast book, I would have went on and became a member of the Jehovah's Witnesses. You see, people join cults not just because of doctrine. They join it because they, about two or three things. Number one, they want to be loved. Can I get an amen? amen. Number two is because they want a sense of belonging. And they want a sense of identity. And if we don't bring it in the church, they're going to go somewhere else and find it. That's one of the reasons why you have uh, the love chapter between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. Can I get an amen? There was so much fighting in the church that the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul put it right there in the middle. Love always got to be in the middle because love always works things out. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one towards another. We need more of that. The last L stands for learning church. We got to be a learning church and we got to teach our folks, disciple them, Help them to know what they believe, know why, and take them through a discipleship class. It's good to bring them in and baptize them. It's good to bring them in and tell them about the church. And it's good for them to be fascinated with your preaching and all of that. But do you not know that Jesus spent time teaching the disciples and preaching to believers? We just do the opposite in our churches. We preach to believers but we seldom do a lot of teaching. And the church needs a lot of teaching and equipping. Now, let's go to the fourth, to the reach out to the community of Christ. We have to remember the four L's in sharing the gospel. The four L's in sharing the gospel. The first one is that Jesus have to become Lord of our life. A lot of us want him to be Savior. But when he says, I want to be Lord of your finances, we say, oh, Lord, you can't touch that. <laughs> like MC Hammer, can't touch this. When God converts a man, he converts his pocketbook. When he converts a woman, he converts her purse. If those things are not being converted, there's something wrong. My daughter always says to me, Dad, uh, when you carry your bag, you know, it's a merce. I said, okay. <laughs> and Lord, and if you do a study of Corinthians, you will find that the number one thing that Paul writes about to a carnal, worldly, rebellious church is the word Lord. Because when he becomes Lord of our lives, he becomes ruler. 
controller, owner, and possessor. And we need that in our lives. And when we have that as the number one, these other things fall into line, which is second L, love. I talked about that. And you know what the thing that draws people to the Lord is when they not only see unity in the church, a love of unity, but they see a love of unity when you walk out of the church. I've been in churches where I've seen people come in and they're so loving, so caring. And I notice when they walk out, somebody sometimes will speak to them and they'll act like they don't know them. We got to allow him to be in our lives as Lord, in our love as Lord, in our life, that's the third one, as Lord, and on our lips as Lord. Getting back to the acronym well, I'll just say one more thing about that. A well church is not just where you have a good worship. You got to have all of them. So some churches have good worship, but they don't have good love. Some churches have good evangelism, but they don't have good love. So when we look at a well-balanced church, you got to have all of those working together. And we got to have it on our lips and witness with our lips. And use our tongues for the glory of God. Amen? You know, because we get in a lot of trouble saying the wrong things with our tongue. We got to say the right things with our tongue. There's a story one time where there was a fisherman out fishing and some women came by and they were so upset with those fishermen and said, why are you catching these fish? And the fisherman said, well, that's our job occupation. And the women were really mad. And one of the fishermen said, you know what? If they would have kept their mouth shut, they would have never been caught. <laughs> we get in a lot of trouble opening up our mouth at the wrong time. A soft answer turneth away wrath. But grievous words stirreth up anger. Christ must be Lord of our lips and our life. In our life, we have to not only talk it, but walk it. So important. Let me say this in conclusion, and uh, I, I, I want to say this, that getting back to Kobe Bryant's celebration, there was all of these people there, famous people and so forth and so forth. Uh, and I said to myself when I looked at all of them, because a lot of people want to be a Dr. J, a Reggie J, a Kareem J, a Michael J, and he used to be an OJ. <laughs> But I want to be a J. Jesus. 
Can I get an amen? It's so much good in the worst of us and so much bad in the best of us, it behooves none of us to talk about the rest of us. Hallelujah. God's plan for salvation, remember this acronym, D-B-R. And that stands for the death, burial, and resurrection. But I want to put one thing with that. It's sin. It seems like the, the conversation of sin is gone. We don't hear that word sin that much anymore in our churches. We need to bring it back. Can I get an amen? We need to bring not only sin back, but also the word hell. Do you not know Jesus preached more on hell than he did on heaven? And that uh, old-time black preacher, Leo Daniels, gave an acronym for hell. He said, H means it's going to be hot down there. E means it's going to be everlasting down there. The first L means it's going to be a low place. And the last L means it's going to be a lonely place. He says, what in hell do you want? <laughs> Got me preaching now. All right. Sin. The last two presidents that in the State of the Union address that ever mentioned the word sin was Abraham Lincoln and Dwight Eisenhower. He was influenced by Abraham Lincoln. If a president today talk about sin in the State of the Union address, they want to impeach him just for that too. <laughs> but this issue of Sin and the death, burial, and resurrection is critical for us today because that is the thing that the early church preached all the time. How often do we hear people preaching on that? That's the thing that the early church did. The word acts means the church in action through the Holy Spirit working in the church. And as he worked in the church, they preached these three things all the time and sin, and people came running to Jesus saying, what must I do to be saved? We've lost this. We need to get back to this. And uh, one of the things that brought so many people to the Billy Graham crusades is that he preached this all the time, the late Billy Graham. And one thing Billy Graham said, and we think about the coronavirus and a lot of other things that, that is being allowed today because God is trying to get our attention. Billy Graham one time said, if God doesn't judge America, he'll have to apologize for what he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm almost done here because, uh, you know, us preachers, black preachers, we 45 minutes is uh, just teaser. Amen. It's just a teaser. Can I get, can I get an amen? <laughs> 45 minutes with most black preachers, they haven't even got to the hoop yet. <laughs> Somebody said, go ahead. 
<laughs> Let me say this. In leading someone to Christ, we need to share these four R's. Never forget them. And they all are R's. And first R is realize God's love for you. Realize God's love for you. God loves mankind. And I'm saying that in the generic sense, meaning woman and man. And the scripture we give is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you not know that you can take the word valentine and, and you will see in John three sixteen it has the word valentine in that? Amen. Check it out. The second R is recognize we are sinners. Again, talking about that thing of sin, 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Third R is to repent. The Greek word for repent is montanoia. It's a military word. It means an about face to turn from something to something. John the Baptist talked about repentance. Jesus did. The fourth R is receive Christ as Savior and Lord. Romans 10 and 13 talks about whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved in Romans 10 and, and verses 9 and 10. I'm going to say this in closing. I want to give you an illustration to sum up pretty much everything I've said thus far. So the truth and the lie went swimming around the same time. And so the truth went to the swimming pool first, took out his clothes and got in the swimming pool. You know, the lie always follows the truth, right? He followed behind him, tried to imitate him, took off his clothes and got in the swimming pool too. The next thing you know, the lie got out of the swimming pool and took the clothes of the truth and then went down to the village town and the people looked and said, here comes the lie dressed up as the truth. And then the next thing you know, the truth looked around for his clothes and couldn't find it. And then he went down to the town city and the people looked at him and said, here comes nothing but the naked truth. Preach the naked truth. Teach the naked truth. Live the naked truth. Obey the naked truth. Don't compromise, confuse, or contradict the naked truth. Witness about the naked truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh by the Father but by me. The naked truth is he that Paul said, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The naked truth is he that John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten, of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus said, I am.
I am. I am. I am. The resurrection and the life. I am. I am. The Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, but alive, 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 forevermore, and have the keys of death and hell. Yes. Preach. Teach. Live the naked truth. God bless you.